Hey everyone, we're at home with Linda and Drew Scott. We are at home with ourselves. Yes, I liked how I used myself in the third person. Mm-hmm. I should do that more often. <laughs> Drew likes this idea. Drew, happy. Drew's well, that's just that's a caveman talking in the third person. Drew, yeah, it's happy. it's the opposite of evolving. Yes, I the devolve. Conversation went <laughs> every day of my life. I devolve. Um, Linda and I are having a debate so right now. We are debating which, I guess, is it a debate? We're discussing which Olympic sport we would compete in if we were able to compete at the Olympics. Now, granted, I know we're not good enough to be in any sport in the Olympics right now, but say we had the talent, what would we want to actually compete in? Uh, Rhythmic gymnastics. Because Will Ferrell did it in old school. That's why you love it. Yeah, and Will Ferrell's my hero. I think for me, I would love the idea of an individual sport, not a team sport for Why? the Olympics. Because I love really? basketball. I would, I would think you'd want to do a team sport. No, I don't know. I, I think the, my whole philosophy when I was growing up, because I wanted to be in the Olympics, and I did think I would do basketball, but then I thought, you know, I'd love the ability to win a gold medal at the Olympics for something that is my own sport. I'm not relying on a team working with me. It's just myself. And if I push myself to improve and be the best I can be in an individual sport, then I'll know that it was truly me. That's an interesting perspective that I didn't think you would have. I know because you I are love very team much a team player. Yeah, but I, I guess it's okay to you know want something for yourself as well. Yeah, I guess you there's selfish, a whole. No, <laughs> <laughs> no, I guess there's a whole level of, of loving that you you get somewhere with a team as well, and then being able to celebrate it with them. So, no, the, the, here's my solution. My solution is I'll just win two Olympic gold medals, one in an individual sport and one in a team sport. Yeah, we'll see you there, 2021. <laughs> I, I would do like mar- martial arts. I think like they have like judo and I don't even know what types of karate they have. Table tennis. What if I was like like Forrest Gump? Forrest Gump, good, yeah. Then I could win a gold medal for table tennis. Or like Ryan Willard good. Listen, Ryan Willard (laughs) is my arch nemesis when it comes to table tennis. And he's actually beat me the last two times I've played him, which is really frustrating. I'm coming for you, Ryan, after I win the Olympics. The one sport that I'm probably the worst at out of every sport I've played is tennis, which is very relevant for this week because Mm -hmm. we're talking with Brooklyn Decker and Andy Roddick. Andy Roddick was ranked best in the world do you think he'll give me some lessons? <laughs> Probably. I so right now you're at Brooklyn level tennis because she she admits that she is not good at tennis. Or any sport. <laughs> yeah. So basically I'll get lessons from him for tennis and then Brooklyn can, you know, work with us on the entrepreneur and fashion side. And acting. And acting. She is a great actress too. It's definitely an interesting dynamic talking with Andy and Brooklyn because they're both entrepreneurs um, they come from creative backgrounds, Andy in sport and Brooklyn as an actor and model. Um, but to see how they've grown on the business side of their lives and how they work together is very interesting. Mm-hmm. There is one point, I think we were asking for marriage advice. The point that they made that I think is very important is to learn how to argue better, right? Yes, yes, exactly. Because a lot of people they don't focus on those moments. They focus some of their oh, we relationship do. work on others. I feel very satisfied when we have a good argument, like a healthy debate. Like when I don't use my Drew voice and we just talk it through. Or yeah. even when you do use your Drew voice, 
I, uh, and call you out on it. And when you use the Drew voice, I definitely call you out on it. Which, you know what? There is truth to that. You're joking, but there is truth to that. And I Mm -hmm. think, I don't know. I want to hear from other couples too. I typically don't raise my voice, but when I do, you listen or you think like, oh, you're super mad now just because I raised my voice. And I, But I don't want that to be, I never want that to be the reason you do it. Oh, I know he'll listen if I do no, this. No, obviously you're, you're swept away by emotion. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if I raise my voice, like I should be able to raise my voice. I, I'm swept away by emotion? Anyone in an argument. Oh, okay. Because sometimes, like, sometimes I'm, you can I'm get not swept a, away by emotion. I'm not really the arguing type that gets swept away by emotion, but I will get like really stuck on a certain point. That's my thing. But I think that this was a great conversation with Andy in Brooklyn because it made us think about certain aspects of arguments mm-hmm. and working through them. But also on top of that, they talked business, they talked passion, they talked family. There's so much you guys are going to get out of this conversation. Let's get right into it. But one thing we didn't even get into in our chat, Drew's like, <sighs> sorry guys, but I just have to say they have an amazing design sense. Like They do. Their houses are beautiful and... Well, now, do you think that's... I think that's more Brooklyn than Andy. I think he's safe to admit that. Sure. I... I I think I would bet on that. Yeah. But together they do have a beautiful home and they've designed beautiful homes in the past. So maybe yeah. we'll just become one big team. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. okay, for real, here's the episode. Enjoy. Brooklyn Decker mm-hmm. and Andy Roddick. Okay, if ADT wasn't professional enough, now ADT installs Google Nest products with their smart home security systems because ADT believes the smarter the home, the safer the security. I mean, what are they going to do next? They're going to start a country singing career. I would listen to a country band named ADT. Also, I like to know what's happening at our front door from virtually anywhere with my Google Nest doorbell. Just saying. Your Google Nest doorbell? I said our. He said my. Everybody check that. Yeah. All right. Well, I like to control my ADT smart devices, like my lights, my locks. <laughs> my security system with Google Nest speakers and displays. And I like to say, hey, Google, to get started. Listen, I said ours. I'm all about ours, not <laughs> mine. Help protect what matters most with all this, plus 24-7 professional monitoring from ADT and a little help from Google. Visit ADT.com to see how ADT can help make your home smarter and safer. I can feel the love bouncing off these walls Shining through the windows Reflecting like a rainbow That's where we belong Yeah, it feels like home So how have you guys been at home? We've been good. I mean, you know, it's a weird thing that I think no one obviously was prepared for or knows how to sort of handle being at home in isolation. But, you know, you're hearing all these sort of awful stories about people who are sick or on the front lines or can't be with their family. And I think that perspective has sort of kept us in check. And yeah, if, if we were to feel bad about anything we have going on, that just means we're not digesting enough news. Right, exactly. Well, yeah. And, and it, sometimes it's not a bad thing to not digest the news yeah, because there's a lot of negativity. Sure. I mean, it's 
it's um, especially for parents like yourself, it, it's extra interesting to have to find ways to keep yourselves busy as well as keep the kids. I saw you posted on social media though um, your parents wanted to get some FaceTime, but they sat at the far edge of your property and yeah, were saying, did. was it happy birthday or? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It was um, my mom and I and my grandmother, actually, we all share a birthday. So it's always kind of a big deal in the family. And obviously this year we couldn't be together. My dad, um, he works with pacemakers. So he's in the hospitals every day. Um, and so as a result, they've been sort of isolating themselves from our family and my brother's family. They have a newborn and two little kids age two and four. And so my parents have been missing their grandkids because they haven't been able to well, see them. And your dad's a type one diabetic. So he can't, and my dad's like, a type one diabetic. Yeah. So we're trying, everyone's just staying around, away but... from each other. Yeah. Um, and, and so we said, why don't you guys come and do dinner with us, but we'll just have it socially distanced. And so we like set up a table. We put, we had like gloves and masks and put dinner on this table in, in our yard. And we sat on the front porch and they arrived like 20 minutes later and we had dinner together and it was so it was cool. nice Aww. just to, you know, see faces and mm-hmm. yeah. we could sit there and not have to fill conversation. Like I feel like you have to on the phone. Um, yeah. it was just a nice, it was, yeah, nice. It was, it was a good. nice evening. Yeah. yeah. And those are the most memorable ones. And remind yeah. me, when else is this going to ever happen? Hopefully well, never again. Well, yeah, hopefully never again. Well, where did you guys grow up? So we're actually shooting this from North Carolina, and I grew up here in North Carolina. I'm a bit of a mutt. I was born in Nebraska, Texas, high school in Florida, Texas, North Carolina. Yeah. Okay. What so about you guys? Canada. Toronto, Vancouver, Vancouver for me. Yeah, I mean, we, so I'm a West Coast. She's a East, East Coast, Coast, Canada, but... Yeah. Uh, I mean, we, we're in LA now and, you know, we've lived in Vegas uh, as well, but we've, we've jumped around for filming too. We're in a different city all the time, but yeah. it's, you know, it's nice. This is the longest we've ever been at home. Um, usually, I think kind of like you guys, I'm on a, a plane every two days. We're mm-hmm. on, on planes all the time and I haven't been on a plane in two months, which is pretty sweet. Yeah. So uh, we're getting into a not routine at home. That part. No, not missing that at all. And lots <laughs> of How has that been? Because I feel like you guys are still, Are you, would you consider yourself still sort of in the newlywed phase we just it had, feels like i mean we just celebrated our second year anniversary but it okay. still feels yeah it, it does mm-hmm. i still get the butterflies in the stomach every time i look at her oh, oh no that's diarrhea <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. no i <laughs> honestly we but, yeah, enjoy it now that goes away we've been, we've been, we've been, we've been 11 years like butterflies? yeah <laughs> yeah you guys just celebrated 11 years that's advice for us we need the advice well how is it going in quarantine because because I think similarly, you have a really mobile relationship and mobile life. And so, like you said, to your point, this time together is like this forced time together is probably very unusual or atypical for you guys. How has it been going? I think time at home is unusual. Time together isn't unusual because we work together as well. Right. But quality time, like quality not talking time, shop, right. like not talking, talking work. That's yeah. tough. But, yeah. uh, but it's, it's honestly been great with us. Like we... Uh, you know, we're getting up early in the mornings, we're working out, we're cooking together. And then we go off, like I'll be in the office, she'll be yeah. in her office, aka the craft room. And yeah, um, yeah like, yeah, you've seen it, yeah. <laughs> so, but we're doing uh, we're doing everything we can to make sure that we have our work time, but we also have our time together. Mm-hmm. I mean, for, so for you guys, um, your time, you know, kid time and what, everything else that you have on the go for your business, how are you guys balancing things while you're in quarantine? Well, I guess you're not in quarantine, you're just isolated. Right. I mean, it, it's been interesting. Like we, we were talking about this. We, I feel like relationship wise, our arguments sort of stemmed from distance and being apart and having that disconnect and like not having our rhythm, you know? And so 
being together. We have so many friends who are like, I'm about to kill my spouse, understandably. <laughs> but we've, we have been actually, it's been really nice because I think our biggest sort of challenge is the distance. And since we don't have that challenge right now, it's been really yeah. great. And our kids are so happy that we're both home yeah. every day, all day. They're loving yeah. it. I mean, it's, don't get me wrong. Like it's not all roses. It's we've had some rough days and you know, I definitely have a, a tequila drink at three o'clock at, the afternoon <laughs> at three o'clock, but um, no, it's been really, it's been really nice. Like you guys were cooking, you know, we just were taking, we, we planted lemon trees and herbs Ooh, and all these things fun. that we, you always talk about doing that we've never done. It's been really nice. Now your, your kids are four and two now, right? Yes. So is four years old. Is that old enough that, uh, that's, he tries to like play you guys against each other. Like, well, mom said I could do this. Are you okay if I do? And because, yeah. okay. Cause I think kids are getting so smart at such a young age. Yeah. He, there's a hack your computer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I mean, it's funny. Like we were told that they start to learn how to manipulate at six months old, which is what? like, what? Said, because think about it, it's survival. So they're like, how yeah. do I get the things I need from the people? Where you scream orbit? a certain way, stuff gets done. You can fake it, you know? Yeah. So, it's, yeah. so he's been owning us for quite some time, but at <laughs> four, it's just gotten more sophisticated yeah. for sure. He's pretty good. Yeah. Like I kind of, it's weird. Cause like, I'll be, I'll be upset that he does it. And then I'm, I kind of respect the hustle too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that, that's honestly, like, that's my son. So who is that more like then between the two of you? Um, uh, double agent Decker. <laughs> <laughs> Double Agent Decker is a nickname I have earned over the last, <laughs> really my entire life, just because I'm I'm willing to throw someone under the bus for a joke if it's yeah. funny and harmless. Yeah, and I and yeah, I'll I'll set people up. Oh, wow. I respect Brooke, that. you could you could trust her with your innermost secrets and they'd yeah. be safe forever. Yeah. But if there's something that would be funny at a cocktail party that's not all that important but just really embarrassing, it is out in the world. It's, there's yeah. there's see. I appreciate that. And I actually feel that I'm a little bit the same way, but these guys, oh, especially Jonathan and, and Linda though, they'll throw me under the bus saying that I cannot keep a secret to save my life. But the because thing is- Because you can't. No, I can. I can keep mm -hmm. great secrets. I have many. Uh, no, uh, but anyway, I, <laughs> but what I'll do is if it's something really funny that isn't really that important, like it's yeah. not life-threatening, then I'll, I'll make a joke about it. Or if you don't tell me it's a secret to start with, I have no idea. We, we had an episode of, of Property Brothers we were filming and- the crew misled me and didn't tell me that our homeowner didn't tell her family she was pregnant. She was going to surprise them. And so in a big speech to all of them, I yeah, said it right in front of them. This. Yeah, I looked like a total idiot, but I was misled by the crew who didn't tell me it was a secret. So, oh, you know. No. I, what did I, you uh, do? Well, they um, all cried. And the, the family cried and was excited and all that. And the homeowner had a bit of a <sighs> kind of a look <laughs> on her face. The worst part was I walked up and I was touching her belly while I said it. Oh. And so it was like full out, like I totally just, anyway. Committed. Yeah, yeah. I'll try. You know, that's so, a good story though. You gave them a gift of a great yeah. story. Like they I gave now. them a gift of ruining their surprise <laughs> yeah, gift. I was to, about to say, yeah. you, can, you can frame that however you want, Brooke. But you, <laughs> yeah. It's <you> <laughs> terrible. Yeah. So I want to hear a little bit about you guys growing up. What, what, like, what was your dynamic with your family growing up and and to sort of see a little bit of how that shaped you into who you are today and the drive that both of you have as entrepreneurs. Go ahead. Yeah. So I, I'm, I, I hesitate. I think entrepreneur is uh, an overused word and it shouldn't be wasted on me. I, I would say I'm an investor and I'm just That's not true. professionally curious. Um, but my, my dad was like, he's a hardcore military background. He was a farmer from Wisconsin. He was running his farm by the time he was 13 years old. 
Um, my parents got married, little means. He was, he just worked and worked and worked. He was, he was the one who probably, uh, his strengths were work ethic and self-awareness. He knew, you know, if he wanted to build a business, he may not have the education piece of it to scale a business or to take it to the next level. But as far as getting in and doing the grunt work, so, but he was aware and was able to find people that he could work with that had the skill sets that he didn't. So I, I feel like I, I knew that maybe a little bit, you know, just mask my general stupidity with people much smarter. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I played a lot of, I mean, I, I had a, I, I say I had a full-time job by the time I was like seven and there wasn't a lot of, uh, there wasn't a lot of patience from my parents for messing around, if that made sense. And um, that full-time job was croquet. Yeah, it was Correct. croquet, and that didn't yeah. work out. And then I started playing yeah. tennis. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> but like so he was up doing drills at you know six a.m. before school. Like it was you were diligent about it. Yeah. As a seven-year-old, wow. It, yeah, it was it was a lot. Like we we have these ongoing jokes. She'll be like, "Did you see?" She makes fun of me because I saw The Lion King for the first time when our son watched The Lion King. Like I, I missed like an entire decade of like movies and stuff just because oh I was doing things. So she'll make fun of me because there's these pockets of life that everyone else knows that I'm just kind of unaware of. And at seven, was it your own drive and interest as well that, that you know, like did you decide to wake up that early for those drills or was it your parents? Probably both. I mean, I, I don't know any seven-year-old that wants to... Tougher parts was like when you get to the when you get to the ages of like 13, 14, 15, when you want to go out or you want to go, you know, you start, you know, six, 16 years old, you have different interests. Then it becomes a little bit more of a challenge, uh, you know, besides what you want to do and what you probably should do. Um, you were obsessed with it, though. I, I was I, I loved it. You know, I, I think kids are the same as adults. They like being good at stuff. You know, yeah. you, you kind of gravitate towards. So, you know, maybe. I didn't feel like playing all that time, but then all of a sudden you get good and you see a result and all of a sudden you're going, Oh, you know, I, I think even for a kid, it, it, it makes sense. Cause one of my big kind of eye opening experiences was when I was uh, nine years old, my parents were pretty good about exposing me to, I, I got to go to the U S open when I was nine years old. And then I got to go to a, a Davis cup tie when U S won against Switzerland. And so, and that was like, Oh my gosh, this is amazing. So maybe that was the moment where you saw life fighting. Yeah. So maybe it's an important thing to expose, you know, kids to to kind of that that dream scenario as a spectator there's, oh, totally. there, there, there's a there's maybe a parallel there they blew my mind when i saw live tennis and people watching and atmosphere and everything else i was like oh my gosh this is amazing on your side when it came to modeling and and acting what was it that shaped you into that direction as a kid i have a totally different like relationship with that journey than than Andy does. I mean, mine was it, it's really simple and 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 much more distilled. I think I um, grew up in Matthews, North Carolina, where you know my mom was a critical care nurse. She's now retired. My dad was a respiratory therapist. My brother's a firefighter. My uncle's a firefighter. My grandfather's a firefighter. Like they are service people. You don't go into a creative industry. There's no design. There's there's no artistry. Um, that's not necessarily true, but actually my grandpa, my dad are great carpenters. But point is, is like, there's no sort of creative mm -hmm. profession. And so growing up in Matthews, North Carolina, I never thought in a million years, you could actually like make a career out of being a model or an actor. Cause I didn't see any, any examples of that in my community. And I was scouted 
at a very young age. I was 14 and I was scouted um, both in a mall and by a substitute teacher of, of all people um, suggested that I get into modeling. And at 14, you're like, okay, that sounds like fun. You know, I, it sounds easy and fun. Um, and so I started locally and then a lot of luck happened. A, a, a scout from New York was in Charlotte, North Carolina and wanted to see some local talent. And so I met with him and I signed with him a year after I started and I moved or not moved, but I went to New York the first time when I was 16 years old. And then I moved to New York when I was 18 and things started sort of snowballing. Um, and then when I was actually modeling, all of my friends were in college and I didn't go and I was really missing sort of that education and I really wanted to be learning something and I felt a little bored and, um, and things weren't really going well in the modeling world. And so I started, my manager actually said, why don't you study acting? Cause this was 2005 and you couldn't really be a full-time online student. And he said, why don't you study acting? It'll give you something to read at least. And so that's exactly what happened. I started studying acting, reading a lot of Tennessee Williams and loved it and started auditioning. And then it's like, it's that thing where I think, I don't know if this was your experience, but when you first start, you're like, oh, this is, I'm never going to make it. This isn't going to actually work out for me. Like, let's just throw it against the wall and see if it sticks kind of a thing. And then all of a sudden you book that first thing and you fall in love with it. And then you book the second thing and then you become obsessed with it. It becomes harder to book the next thing. And that's kind of what happened for me. Um, So in a weird way, it was sort of the opposite of Andy. Like, (laughs) and I feel guilty saying so, like it wasn't diligence. It wasn't discipline. It wasn't passion. It was like, exposure to something I had never seen before and then a lot of luck. And then that luck sort of met with a lot of hard work. Um, and that is sort of my career. Well, I was going to say, I mean, you say luck, but I do think there's a lot more behind it because you obviously had that natural energy about you that people gravitate towards and on the acting side. I mean, you're an awesome actor. I mean, mm-hmm. we've, we've seen a lot of what you, what you've done and I think that's great. I actually don't know. I've never seen, I would love to see Andy act in something. Just saying. Oh God. I, uh, I think <laughs> that would, would be funny. You would, you would, you would take that statement back. So I, I, I want to so add, I. I add some to Brooke. She's not giving herself enough credit. She is always curious, not scared to jump in on something, even if she isn't comfortable. Right. So model it. And this is from my view. Modeling happens. She takes it wherever it goes. Cover Sports Illustrated then decides, I'm not doing that. I want to learn another craft. Goes into acting, does that, you know, or starts a tech company and sells it to a publicly traded company four years later. You are not scared to like jump into something, even if it's extremely uncomfortable. You could have stayed in the modeling world forever and and, and done it well and it, it was comfortable, but you left that and went and pursued something that maybe you did it before modeling and it was almost like unfinished business, but you will always put yourself in an uncomfortable situation until you figure it out. But yeah, th- and that takes so much grit. And for you to see it through, uh, mm-hmm. you know, to sell your company, yeah. I, I think that's so <laughs> Well, it, it's, it's the drive. No, I honestly, yeah. the, so a lot of, um, from my years of being an actor and or trying to further my career as an actor before I get into hosting, um, you see a lot of actors who they don't have that drive. They have they have a passion for acting and they'll do classes and whatnot, but there isn't that drive or that that business grit behind yeah. uh, them treating yourself like a brand. And I mean, if you see, did I read correctly? Your first gig was Devil Wears Prada? Yeah, I was an extra in Devil Wears Prada. Oh, you were an extra? Okay, yeah, yeah I mean- Gig, which is, I was an extra. I still, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I still love, that's still one of my faves. Uh, just, Great. I think Stanley Tucci is amazing too. My but anyway, on screen was incredible. By the way, Stanley Tucci was such a gentleman. So cool, so wonderful. Like talked with all of us, which is not normal for background. You know, you, you don't yeah. need to talk with the, it was wonderful. He was lovely. Uh, he's great. But, uh, and by the way, we were just watching him in- Limetown. Limetown. He's phenomenal Have in Limetown. 
Uh, listen to the podcast. I haven't seen it yet. It, yeah, oh. I'm going to watch it. It's interesting. It's it's pretty it's pretty great. I was we were watching so we have our Netflix fix. Uh, but Grace and Frankie, mm-hmm. awesome. Um, longest running on Netflix, right? Yeah, yeah. So what, what's it? Yeah, what, what's it? Tell us the story behind that too, because I mean your your acting career has exploded, and it's been uh, to see the diversity of film and TV has been awesome. Thanks. Um, there's a lot of things that I have not gotten, which you have not seen. So yes, I have been really um, lucky to to be on the show. I we started it in 2014, and at that time, Netflix had House of Cards and Orange Is the New Black, so it was really promising and exciting. But they were new; streaming was new. Um, this was sort of before Hulu and before you know before kind of everything. And um, they wanted to try a half hour comedy. And they were really interesting, or really interested in seeing what would happen with sort of an older demographic. Like, could we get an older demographic on Netflix? And what they found was our show was the most successful across all demographics. So mm-hmm. any age across the board loves it, and and that I think was a surprise to everyone. And now we are going to be the we are the longest running show on Netflix. And we are in the middle of shooting our seventh and final season, and we shut down obviously because of coronavirus. So we are on episode five of the um, final season. But yeah, it's been an unbelievable experience. It's just, um, the cast is unbelievable. And in these sort of weird, uncertain times, I feel like it's been sort of a, a like a, a security blanket for so many people who watch it. You know, it just like mm-hmm. makes you feel good. It's a fun, easily digestible show. Um, and you play Jane Fonda's daughter. So that's pretty awesome in its own. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, nothing's going to top that one. I so I'm going to pitch this to your producers. I'm going to pitch that Andy comes in for a guest spot, playing your boyfriend, and yeah. I want to see this dynamic because I uh, I I just think it'd be very funny to see you get in front of the screen and do some acting. Well, it would be funny. Um, maybe not in the way that you're you're, you're intending. But uh, so we're, I'm I'm on a uh, I'm on a call with people who are simultaneously creative and uh, and business oriented. I'm one of those, and I promise you it's not creative. So I'm, I'm the most linear thinking person that's ever existed. I would be a train wreck. <laughs> so, so and now how are you when it comes to sports? Can you, can you play tennis or do anything that Andy does? Yeah. No, not, not at all. Not Tell him about the one time you tried to play tennis and I was trying to help you learn. <laughs> Fight. Oh yeah. It was, did that okay. end in an argument? Yeah. So, so, this is ridiculous, but I was going on a trip and I said, I want you to come on this. It was for a photo shoot. This was years ago. I said, I would love for you to come on this trip with me. He said, I will go with you if you allow me to give you a tennis lesson, which I did not ever want to do with him. And I said, okay. So he gets this like racket with a big head. I got a little racket, did the whole thing. He gets right? it with a big, a lot of grip. So it was easy, you know, easy to figure out. It was a beginner's tennis racket. Yeah. Right. And uh, which was lovely. And he put all this special tape on him, whatever. And so we're going out there. And, and I'm trying to hit the ball and they're just flying all over the place. That's if I make contact, it was a total mess. And he said to me, what you need to do with this tone, what you need to do is you point where you want the ball to go and then you hit it and you point and you, you hit yeah, it you point at the ball and, you point and you hit it. I was like, I'm not going to, no, no one does that. <laughs> and I go, stop trying to talk to me. Like, stop talking to me. Like I'm a five-year-old. And he goes, oh. he goes, still hurts. <laughs> he said, if you play like a five-year-old, I'm going to have to teach you like a five-year-old. And I told the rat that he spent so it. much time and I smelled, like I was, I saw red. I just, I couldn't, I broke the racket oh, wow. into so many pieces. 
And that was it. Oh, oh so Andy did teach you something from tennis. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. that, I was like, oh, I've That's seen right. this before. I know all this sport. Yeah, I know, I know how to break, I know how to break a racket. I've never seen, that many seen you times. point to a ball and hit it, but I've seen you break yeah, I've several. Never, I've never seen you hit a ball well, but I've seen you several several break several rackets. Yeah. <laughs> But that's that's funny. I've I've tried to teach because I'm the the athlete in our family, and basketball was my big sport. And I've tried to teach Linda, but she and ma- I have the so dribbling. I can't dribble. I can shoot okay, but I can't. No, dribble. you can dribble. You just can't dribble through your legs. Yeah, she because have I space. claim that I have like my legs are too short. I yeah. just like. <laughs> I coached so elementary fit. kids, and they could do it. No, she Linda's really, really good. She'll she'll pick up most things quite fast, but. She says I use the Drew voice on her. So uh, where you talk to to Brooke like a five year old, I just like start to Sergeant say, "Try talks. doing it. Why don't you just do it?" And uh, and I'm just like, "Nope, I yeah, just can't." And then it turns into lessons. an argument. Or it's like well, when we dance, you're supposed to let the guy lead, and I have she I cannot can't. let me lead. It's the most oh. frustrating thing. I'm like, I'm supposed to by law of dance. I'm supposed <laughs> to be allowed to lead, and she will not let me, even after doing Dancing with the Stars. I can't. Yeah, get we don't even. We don't. Yeah, we've they, never tried dance. That's not even. We've decided after the tennis incident, we don't. We teach each other really. Yeah, we've decided the next time we play tennis is too soon. Yeah. <laughs> I would hire one of his friends to teach me before I would ever play with him. So would I. Ever, yeah, ever yeah. again. That's funny. I, I, hopefully, I can play with you one time. Tennis is the only sport I am terrible at. Actually, no, maybe I should play Brooke instead because I'm terrible. <laughs> but I'll try pointing at the ball. Yeah. Hey, you, ball. I'll give, I'll give, you, a, I'll give you a lesson, but if you're betting money, play her. ADT now professionally installs Google Nest products with their smart home security systems because ADT believes the smarter the home, the safer the security. Help protect what matters most with 24-7 professional monitoring from ADT and a little help from Google. You said that very professionally. I try. (laughs) Visit ADT.com to see how ADT can help you make your home smarter and safer. Um, being so passionate about a sport and you you were the the top in the world and then once you retired what how did you transition that passion uh in your life or what did, what filled that passion that you had from playing so i don't I, I don't think i retired with the expectation that anything would or could fill you know uh what my life's work was to that point um I think I kind of get asked a version of that question sometimes. And I think that the mistake that some athletes make is they retire and then the next morning they wake up and say, okay, well, what am I going to do now? And I think that's a, that's a tough place to be when your entire identity is in one place. So um, we actually started uh, our our commercial real estate company while I was playing. So uh, I was already into that, uh, you know, four or five years by the time I retired, uh, we had had our uh, charitable foundation uh, for, you know, since 2000 already. So I, I don't think it was a question of what I was going to walk into once I retired, which probably made that process a lot easier. Um, I've heard stories that are, that are difficult with people retiring, not knowing what to do. And, and frankly speaking, I'm, I was, I was brutal to deal with when I was playing. I was, you know, super tense, super, uh, I had to have it this way. You know, I was very kind of stuck in the mud with scheduling and everything else. So when I retired, it just, everything kind of became a lot easier, <laughs> you know, it was, it was nicer. And she'll, she'll probably agree with that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think what you did is I think when you retire, I don't think she, it's it, to your point, exactly. I don't think you expected to sort of step into and continue the rhythm of being a professional mm-hmm. athlete. I think you 
you know, he retired, he wore like a bucket hat and grew a huge grizzly beard and he was unrecognizable and he ate what he wanted and he stayed up late drinking wine and he played golf and he did all these, like he indulged in all these behaviors that he couldn't nice. when he was playing. And I think you really gave yourself time. I feel that you really gave yourself time, like a good six months yes. of just enjoying things that you, you can't mm-hmm. when you have to sort of play at a certain mm-hmm. level. And as a result, it didn't feel like you were trying to replace anything. It was more like you were moving into the next yeah. phase of your life. Yeah, I I, I I don't think I, I don't think personally I'll ever have anything that fills the void of a live event. The twenty five seconds after something yeah. great happens, like that's an adrenaline. But I I just don't think you can. I I didn't have the expectation that that was going to be replaced by something. So you started uh, the End Erotic Foundation at seventeen. Yeah. How? What seventeen year old is is starting charitable foundations? Well, foundation's generous. We did an event and you had to call it something, um, you know, and then that, that kind of grows into something else. But I, I, I talk about being in the right vacuum. I don't know that tennis gets enough credit for the culture that it creates, whether it's uh, payment equality on the men's and women's tours, whether it's, you know, if you look at the absolute icons of our game, they're great for the sport, but I don't think there's, there have been bigger champions uh, for social justice causes, for educational purposes. If you look at the names, you know, Billie Jean King, Arthur Ashe, Andre Agassi, uh, what Venus and Serena have done for literacy in South Florida. Roger Federer was an ambassador for UNICEF and now does it himself and builds his own schools. Uh, Martina Navratilova coming out uh, at 20 years old in the early 80s when she's number one in the world. That, that was unheard of at, at the mm-hmm. time. So... Um, I, I think I honestly, I think I just got sucked into the right vacuum. And so when you see your heroes doing something, mm-hmm. you, you kind of fall in line and you say, well, I should be doing something also. I, th- I think it's just kind of the culture that, that the tennis world has uh, uh, had created. What, what has continued to grow for both of you? What's continued to grow as a big passion for how you can give back, whether it's um, social justice or whether it's, uh, you know, sustainability? I think it's evolved a lot. Um, over the the last few years, I think for for me specifically, you know, I, I think you're drawn to what you connect to and what affects you personally. And um, I've been involved with Special Olympics for a long time because my aunt, who I'm very close to, has been a Special Olympics athlete her entire life, and so I saw the direct impact that had on the lives of athletes. And so that's something I've always been involved involved with. But then I think as you get older, and as I think we've just specifically with social justice, we've started to see sort of a lot of these discrepancies and um, inequalities come to light, or maybe we just become more privy to it as we're older and sort of seeing the world outwardly and not inwardly. Um, I think you become sort of more aware of... You should talk about Jane Club. Well... Like, that's amazing. And it kind of... Well, that's like a business. But yeah, but yeah. So so like, I think... um, for example, with, with Finery, the, the company that I, I helped to co-found, I saw raising money, how hard that was for a female-founded business with a, an emphasis on a business that was made for females. And so I all of a sudden saw all these inequalities in business and that became something I was really passionate about sort of writing or at least helping to write. Um, and I think with the environment we've seen, sort of the impact that we've had on it as humans over the last however many years and, and we have children now. And so you start to say, well, what's life going to look like for them and their children. And that's something you become sort of passionate about. And so I think that our interests have expanded because our world has expanded a little bit, or we've seen a little bit more, we've had more experiences. Um, And if over those years of experiences, you don't sort of gain wisdom and then want to, with that wisdom, fix some of the wrongs you're seeing, you're probably doing it wrong. Mm -hmm. And so I think we'll probably 
there will be many other issues that come to light for us in the future, I'm sure, as they have sort of in the past decade or so. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like we've sort of naturally responded to, I guess, pain points in our life and also um, in the lives of people around us. And I know for the foundation, for example, they started with out of school time with with kids and and making sure, you know, 80% of your time is spent out of school. And if it's not focused, high quality curriculum education, what are you doing with that time? Mm-hmm. And it's expanded to uh, teach financial literacy to, um, to the parents, a lot of whom are single mothers, and to deliver mm-hmm. organic groceries every week so that they have access to high quality food for their families. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and did I say tech literacy so that it's easier to apply for jobs? Like your your organization has expanded and grown so much to really support the full family and not just sort of the life of the child after school. And I think that's sort of your responsibility as you get older and you start to see, you know, some of the problems in the world. You're like, Oh, I, I can do something to help a little bit. Maybe I should try to do that. It's a very long winded answer, but I think someone sometimes too, what, what I've kind of learned is there are unintended consequences for good, right? If you have an intent to do something good, a lot of times, three things that you won't ever have thought of, or maybe it wasn't your main point of motivation end up happening. And, and so when we started uh, the foundation, our, our, uh, you know, we, we were a typical pass through, uh, organization, uh, for an athlete, which is kind of a lazy version of what a foundation should be. You have events, you give away money and hope that it does well. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, that which was is great, which is great. It was unsustainable for the long run. You're at that, at that point I was probably playing a relevancy game, um, more so than a, than a charity game. Um, and, and so when we kind of invested and actually did our direct service programs, our first school at, uh, 84 kids at Pecan Springs elementary. Uh, now we serve 7,000 kids daily in the central Texas area. But one of the unintended, unintended, easy for me to say, unintended consequences was, uh, Single family homes where 75% of our kids are from single single parent homes. Just the parent not having to leave work at 2 or 2.30 to come pick up a child or make that decision to come pick up a child or not, adding two or three hours to a work day, not only guilt-free because your kid's safe, but they're actually, we're, we're trying to add value to what's happening. That changes the entire dynamic of a family. That was not our original intent. That was not in the playbook that we were going to try to run. But it, it's just a way of saying good trying to do something good a lot of times will lead to something even better than you had imagined in, oh, yeah. in, in, in previous thoughts. So I think I'm constantly learning what different opportunities are almost by accident. Um, you know, but, but intent matters. Yeah. Did you want to talk about Jane club? Cause you mentioned it before you said it's a business, but as you have been doing your businesses do give back to, to things that matter. They do. And this one is, um, I think, solving for a huge problem um, for families and and working mothers. Uh, So a friend of mine, June Diane Raphael, who plays Brianna on Grace and Frankie, is the co-founder of this company. And it's a co-working space with childcare. And so, um, which sounds so simple in concept, but it actually doesn't exist. And we were talking um, about the foundation and how parents can take better jobs or actually go further in their job if they can stay at work until five o'clock versus having to pick their child up at daycare at two o'clock. It's really hard for women to transition back to work. And what we're seeing and what's been proven over and over again is that when women choose to parent, um, they we, we, we tend to lose a lot of females uh, in the workforce. We're losing a lot of talented, incredibly brilliant women um, because they don't have the support they need in the workplace uh, to allow them to both parent and 
you know, work on their career. And so Jane Club offers incredible high quality programming, both for the children and for the mothers. Um, they're doing everything. It's, it's really like, it's based in LA for now. Um, and they're doing a digital membership now during COVID because obviously a co-working space cannot stay open. Um, but when you walk in there, it's like this oasis where, they're doing everything from having a teach-in where they have experts come and talk about race relations to um, pedicures for Zoom calls to um, to having comedians come and doing stand-up for the kids. Like it's so... To when you're a mother or, or, or you choose not to mother, you're just a, a woman in the world who wants to um, take dinner home to their, you know, their spouse or themselves, whatever it is. You can actually order dinner and they'll have it in like a nice sort of dish and you can take it home, pop it in the oven and be done. Like they're really covering all the needs of the working mother and what it's doing is it's it's allowing women to transition back to work easier post children um, and also allowing them to be so much more powerful in their jobs because they're given the support that they wouldn't otherwise have so that's something that I'm that's invested pretty cool. in. what, what's the website uh, Jane club I think.com I think it's just the Jane club.com nice. but I'm an investor in it and um, and a member and I love it and they're they're yeah they're solving for in a, a lot of Issues. makes a big difference walking down the hallway in the same facility and being able to see your child at any time mm. also versus dropping off across town, going to work, coming back. Like, I, I don't know. I, I can only imagine the, like just even the sense of intimacy being in the same building probably. And just being matters. able to pump. Like it doesn't get too <laughs> gross, but like yeah. the recovery for a mother yeah. is kind of physically gruesome. And to be able to like, TMI, whip your boob out on a conference call yeah. and pump and know that like you're not gonna have to worry about your coworkers offending anyone. It's you know, women women are choosing to breastfeed their children for, you know, weeks instead of months or, or a year or whatever it may be because of their work demands. And mm-hmm. if you had the support you needed to be able to do both, which is entirely possible, mm-hmm. think about how much more productive companies and businesses would be in general if, mm-hmm. if women were fully supported. And so they're doing a really um really powerful thing by providing that support. Yeah. That's awesome. And that's so beautiful that by being there, you have the support of other women there as well who are yeah. in the same. And by the way, men can also be members and join. I, I want to dig in a little bit though too. So your personalities, you both have very strong personalities. We've talked about, Brooke, your drive, um, you know, coming, making things happen for yourself with your businesses as well as your career. And then Andy, you are this sort of structured, everything's linear, it's almost like military, what everything sounds like, the way you structure your schedule. How did the, who hit on who in the beginning and how did the, the meat work uh, between the two of you? Because you're both sort of, to me, you both, you both sound like you would be the one that would make the first move. No, I don't think you would ever make the first move. Would you? No. Not then. Anyway. Not that. Not, no. I was very young. I, I, ba- I basically just, I got, I was able to get her number and I just kind of stalked her for a while and she didn't call me back for six months. It was very Hollywood and very embarrassing. It was kind of, a, it's kind of a weak story. Basically his attorney called my agent because yeah. <laughs> I had this, I was hosting this football show and he watched it and uh, it was online at the time. It was a beautiful Southern girl who's talking football, like in odds and who's going to win. And I was, I was like, this is amazing. I'd like to meet Funny thing is I barely watch football anymore, but um, <laughs> he got his attorney to call my agent and he kept calling for five months and I didn't respond. And my agent finally, I was, this was the time when I was sort of living in New York and missing college. All my friends were away at school and my, um, he's now my manager said, well, why don't you call this guy back? Like worst case scenario, you have a bad first date. And it's a funny story. And uh, so he grabbed my phone and dialed the number and pushed like a palm pilot this was like pre-smartphone now now did you know who andy was when he started calling you or you you didn't 
Yeah. I mean, I knew he was a tennis player and I, yeah, I definitely knew of him, but I had never seen a tennis match. I had never played tennis. So I'd, I'd never really seen him play or even really knew much about the sport. Um, but he showed me my agent. <laughs> this is so gross. Showed me a YouTube video of Andy basically like sassing off to reporters. And I thought it was so funny. It was, <laughs> it was like, a, it was like, a, it was like a, um, a compilation of, of press conferences. And I thought it was really entertaining and, and I called him back and we talked on the phone, I don't know, every day, multiple times a day for a couple of couple weeks. weeks yeah. And then he came to New York for our first date. And then we were engaged eight months later. Oh, wow. oh my gosh. What is it at, at home? You guys are, you know, with all the time that you have at home and are either of you homeschooling and teaching the kids anything? I know they're very young, but are you, are you trying to do anything like... There's uh, a lot of Play-Doh. Look. A lot of Play-Doh. <laughs> In our life too, and we don't have kids mind. at the house. So that's it. That's it. That's right. What? Wait, but Linda, what do you like when you craft? What's your thing? What's your go-to thing? Oh well, you- I just set up the sewing machine. So my mom sent over her ancient sewing table, like the, the one with like the, the big pedal, oh, cool. the really oh, intimidating cool. ones. So yeah. I put it together, and I was gonna start sewing masks, and then I thought I'll leave that to the professionals and support local businesses instead, and just buy this for that. people. Um, so starting to sew. But you do everything. Like L- Linda is the most creative mind. She Anything she sees, that's cool. Then all of a sudden we'll have it in the house. And I'm like, where did, did you buy that? And she said, no, I just made it. Whether it's a bag or whether it's art, like artistic, like a, a It took a hundred hours more than, you know. That's my whole <laughs> argument. So she loves to craft, but it will take her so long to do it. I'm like, I could have bought this yeah. and had it done. She's like, that's not what it's about. And it's but, not uh, homemade. Exactly. And like your lovely wife didn't make it. It could I be mean, homemade yeah. from it's somebody like else. It's homemade pie. You know, yeah. it's, it's different. Well, it is true. She does make a great homemade pie as well. But uh, so yeah. why don't we uh, end, end up though with a little bit of parenting advice for us and anybody listening after your, well, 13 years together, marriage and parenting advice. What could you give us as a little bit of advice uh, as a couple and then also for when we have kids? Don't take advice from us. Yeah. Number one. Find, better people. <laughs> Find better people to ask advice from. Um, marriage advice. Oh, what do you think? I have strong thoughts on, uh, let's assume that we love it. I, I think people don't spend enough time learning how to fight better. Yeah. Having actually having like a rule book for communication when you don't agree, I think learning, you know, trying to stay away from pressing buttons and we're by no means great at it. But I I think the conversation around, you know, how to actually communicate when you're not agreeing probably matters more than uh, a lot of the lovey dovey stuff. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's right. I also think you do a really good job of like, I give so much credit to one day, you know, like if we're having a bad day, I'm like, is this a new phase of the relationship? Are we here for a year? You know, I really take it really far. And he's like, we had a bad day. You know, yeah. He's like, so we had a bad day. It was tough. It was this, whatever it is. Like I give so much credit to that moment in time. And you're really good about seeing. He can sort of like mm. bring himself above the little situation that I'm so caught up in and see that it's just like a tiny little blip. And I think that's a skill. Are you guys like that? I'm seeing a lot oh, of nodding. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of I know that. I'm very, I'm very logical with everything I, I do. I'm very analytical and I just, you know, I can not have emotions sway what I'm thinking and I can understand when I'm the one who's instigating, but. Um, Whereas I will use my emotion as my tool sometimes because like I, I don't think it's a bad thing always to, to be in your emotions and like feel it and express it and let yeah. that guide you. But 
I obviously see the benefit and well, that's all things good and you know. I mean, ha- happy, logic. sad, mad, whatever. They're all emotions. It's just that I, I mean, my whole f- analytical process is not letting any negative emotions affect me, my decision making, or how I'm communicating. Yeah, you can get over things like very. Yeah, quickly. I, like I can get over it right away, and I can say, "I was the jerk. I did that. I'm sorry," and then move on. But it takes her more time to get over it. So an hour later, I can see she's still stewing on. I'm like, "I said sorry," <laughs> and I'm like, but, "I know uh, I accepted. I just like need time." Yeah, <laughs> but anyway, yeah, I get that. Well, it's I think been- it's good to have time, so. Yeah, Sometimes. we didn't even get into your amazing design skills. Oh, like it's just fun. All of your properties. Like, I feel like oh. I could ask so many questions of you guys too on like how this, which we can get into later, but like how this, you guys really sort of tapped into and saw a trend mm. before anyone and it's sort of taken over. Like the, if you think about it, like the whole DIY Pinterest, I can actually own my own space. People didn't feel like they had ownership over the, of their own space, and I feel like you guys were sort of the part of that first wave. And it's it's a, it's obviously an exploding market. It's so interesting that you were sort of there first. I would love to dive into that eventually when we have dinner. There's also an idea, and then there's taking the idea mainstream and actually making it a huge business as yeah. opposed to like something that's cool. Which I think you guys, have, I mean, it's, it's yeah. cool and kind of where you've taken it is, is pretty and- is really really impressive. I mean, you guys do the same thing with any of your businesses or endeavors. It's, you know, a spark of an idea, a passion or recognizing a problem. It's, I think it's, it's the same process yeah. and the same drive that, that gets you to, from idea to, you know. At the end of the day, we just love the idea of every family having a home they love. Everyone deserves, mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be a mansion. Everyone just deserves to have a space they love, whether they rent or whether they own. And so yeah. when we started to see that we could affect people in such a positive way on a global scale, it it was really exciting. It charged us up. And that's why we, you know, we we have a new episode of our shows every day of the week. That's how much we film because that real? that's a real yeah. no, that's a real stat. Yeah. So we, we shoot, we do 45 renovations a year. Um, but then for the other seven, we kind of take the episodes that we've done and we do best of and we do some repack episodes and create some new content along with it. And the whole purpose Sorry. is because we love to be able to inspire people in different ways, whether it's if you already own a home, whether you're buying a home or something like Celebrity IOU, when we have like yeah. Brad Pitt or- I love Michael that idea, Buble. by the way. It's so yeah. funny. It's, it's so just, good. It's, it's like so good. you guys giving back to someone that's a big part of your life that you love. And okay. all of this inspires people and connects emotionally with people in different ways. So yeah. awesome. But I feel like you guys had, a, had the vision for that far before- people knew that that was important to them, if that makes sense. Like home's always been important, but you guys sort of saw it as being something that was actually tangible that people could act on before I think the mainstream public did. And that's that's really interesting. It's really fascinating. Ideas are one thing. Executing is... Much, much tougher. Yes. It really is. That's our dynamic here. No one comes up with more ideas than Linda. And I'm actually. And then I know that he'll do it. Well, we'll let you guys go. But thanks so much for for taking time to chat with us. And uh, next time we talk, I want to hear another story about how you met. I'll come up with something better (laughs) if given time. I like the original story. Yeah. You just like the story because you didn't call me back for six months. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a very like it's like a power move, you know. Yeah. Like, Big power, and the way that you call me back once and I just caved and forgot yeah. for, forgot yeah. that you hadn't called me back for six months. Yeah. Big power I, move. I have the ultimate power move. I can hit end call. Do it, do it, do it, yeah. do it. Thank you guys. See you guys. So much. Love you. Bye. Bye. Bye.